Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Oh, that, come on. It's good to be with you guys. Tyler, I appreciate you. I, um, I, I want to say this before I get going, and, and I don't, I really do mean this. This isn't you compliment me, I compliment you. But um, I got to tell you, seriously, I absolutely love and adore your pastors. And uh, right off the bat, when we first met, just really just felt such a kindred spirit and just so appreciate them. I'm able to speak uh, and I am able to run with a lot of different pastors. And I can say this, and I really mean this, not just Pat and you guys in the back, but you guys really do have uh, some of the best pastors and slash leaders I know. And uh, I just uh, absolutely am really impressed by what they're doing. And it's an honor. Uh, it's an honor to be here. And uh, just to be a part of what you guys are doing, thanks for inviting me in. Uh, a few other things. One is this. Uh, you've never raised your voice in nine years, neither of CJ and I, right? Yeah. In 23 years of marriage, she's never yelled at me once, uh, or I've never, ever. So I was like, she said, I've never raised my voice. CJ and I both looked at each other and go, yeah, neither have we. Um, but the, the other thing is this, is you didn't grow up in church, Tyler. See, you have no, like, pews. Like, if you grew up in church, in fact, I grew up Baptist. I, just, I grew up Baptist. Pews are a part of my childhood, man. They are a part of my childhood. And if you didn't have pews, how do you take good naps as a kid in the midst of church? You know what I'm saying? So uh, I love pews, man. God bless pews. So uh, um, this is my wife, CJ, and she's going to, I'm having her going to come up. She's going to come up at the end and, and she'll take some time and minister. But uh, great to see everybody. Can we j- jump in? I do have something I want to share with you. If you have your Bibles, uh, I want you to get them out. Go to Ephesians chapter four. If you have your Bibles, get them out. I remember hearing a preacher say one time, if you have your Bible, get it out. If you don't, sit next to a Christian and read theirs. And uh, so I didn't say that. I'm just saying I heard that once. But we're going to go to Ephesians 4 in just a second. But first, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says this. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the, and here it is, household of God. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he tells them that, hey, when you got saved, You were taken from the kingdom of darkness, put into the kingdom of light, but you went from being a stranger, you went from being a foreigner, you went from somebody who was homeless to now you've been brought in and you're a member of what Ephesians, what Paul described as the household of God. I uh, I am a deep, deep believer in the local church. I, I, I believe deeply in the role of the local church in not only the life of a believer, but in the life of a city. So I'm diehard. He mentioned revival. I want to see revival. If you cut me at my core, you will find a passion for revival. But I believe that God, the vehicle for revival in cities, the vehicle for revival in families, the vehicle for revival in individual lives is the local church. And so I believe deeply in the local church. And I believe as we begin to talk about, pray about, believe for God to move in our city, that we have to look fresh at what the local church is. 
I believe that God wants to shift our perspective. I don't know if you grew up in church like I did. I mean, I grew up in church. I was born in, in a family that was believers. And the, my first memories, my, some of my first memories are church memories. So maybe you're like me and you grew up in church. Maybe you're here tonight and you didn't grow up in church. But, but whatever it is, I believe that God wants us to look fresh at the church. And he wants to shift our perspective in an area. I don't know if you've ever looked at something, you've had a hard time kind of making out what it is, and then you kind of just shift your angle or your perspective slightly, and you can begin to see what maybe you couldn't see before. I, I believe that God wants to do that when it comes to the church and the role of the church, but I believe it's around this issue, that the church is a family, not a business. That the church is a family not a business. Now, I would say this, that all of us would say amen to that. All of us would say yes to that. All of us would applaud that. All of us would say we long for that. The issue is, is that I'm not sure we really follow that line of thinking all the way through. That if the church is a family, not a business, that, that if Jesus came not to redeem under the Father employees... That Jesus didn't come and die on a cross so that he could get a workforce. He didn't even come to die on the cross. And hear me on this. I believe in this analogy for the church. But Jesus didn't come to redeem soldiers for an army. He came to redeem sons and daughters unto a father who would then represent him in the earth. You became a part of the household of God. And I, and I believe that we say yes to that, we say amen to that, but I'm not sure we really follow that line of thinking all the way through because if I follow that line of thinking, it means this, something's required of my life. And I really believe that at the core of a church seeing revival is a church understanding that we're a family, not a business. How you view something matters. Because how I see something, how I perceive something, determines how I'm going to engage with it. If I see something improperly or incorrectly, I will engage with it, I will interact with it wrongly. I see a lot of believers who are frustrated, who are confused, who are disappointed, who are disillusioned with the church simply because they see it wrong and they're trying to engage it and interact with it a certain way and they leave frustrated. How you see something matters. You have to see it correctly so that you can engage with it properly. And when I see it incorrectly, I'm going to engage with it improperly and I'm going to become confused and frustrated. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a massive customer service guy. I love good customer service. We've had the opportunity to travel around the world. And, uh, and other countries, can I just say this right now, suck at customer service. And so I believe, and it's just the American thing in me, I believe it's my God-given American right for good customer service, right? And so I'm not the guy that throws a fit if I don't get it. Hear me on that. I don't throw a fit and storm out and talk to the manager. I just remember and don't come back. So if I go to a restaurant and, I'm, and they sit me down and we're sitting there, it takes 10 or 15 minutes for the waiter or waitress to come over and give me some bread and give me some water. I don't throw a fit. I just remember that. 
If when they come out and take my order and I give them my order and I specifically ask them, please don't put any tomatoes in there because I can prove biblically in the book of Revelation that tomatoes are somehow connected to the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. They're like, please don't put tomato. Is anybody else with me on the tomato issue? Come on, my people. If, 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 if I can say, please don't put tomatoes in there, and they bring the dish out, and there's tomatoes in it, I don't throw a fit. I don't get upset. I push them off to the side. I just don't come back. But that's a restaurant. I'm at a restaurant. I'm paying money. Can you imagine, though? And please hear me on this. I am too scared of my wife to do this. The holy fear of her. So I like, but can you imagine if I came home from work one day, walked into my house, walked in the door, went over and sat at the dinner table, pulled the chair in, and then patiently waited to see if somebody was going to come over and bring me some water and some bread? <laughs> 10 or 15 minutes, I'm a little bit frustrated. And I just kind of go, is anybody going to bring me water from around the house? No, no, no. Get up. Get your own water. Like, what? This is unbelievable. I've been, I've been waiting for 15 minutes. Can you imagine if my wife brings out a meal that she made and it has tomatoes in it? And I look at her and I said, I specifically asked for no tomatoes. You know what? I'm never coming here again. I'm taking my business elsewhere. You'll never see me at this place again. And, and like, you know, it doesn't make like it doesn't make sense because it's a house, not a restaurant. And if I view it as a restaurant, I'm going to run into problems. It's problematic. It's problematic if I if I approach it as a restaurant. If I approach my house as a restaurant. If I approach it as a hotel and I come home from work and like, why isn't my bed made? Oh, you didn't make your bed, right? Because it's, it's not a restaurant, it's a house. And if I view it as a restaurant, it becomes problematic. And so in other words, how I see something determines how I inter interact with it, how I engage with it. If I see it wrong, I'm going to engage with it wrongly. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a message, but it's fascinating to me because when we began, when we planted our church, we went after this thing like church as a family. And so you know what that means? We all just jump in and contribute. Not because we need workers, not because this is a business, but because the most natural thing in the world is for families to contribute and to serve. It's not a restaurant. My, my, CJ and I come from polar opposite families. I grew up in a family that was very like, you know, there was, there was uh, four of us. I did not grow up with extended families. So like Thanksgiving and holidays were just us four, my sister, my mom, my dad, and me. And so we would do Christmas and it would be me, it, it, Christmas and it would be like me and my mom, my dad, my sister, and we would open gifts and it would take a while because my mom would open a gift and we'd sit there and look at it and talk about it and write thank you notes for it and, and discuss it and move on to my sister and we'd talk about it. And, um, and I remember the first time going to CJ's family and she comes from like, not only is it a big family, but it's like multiple step and half. And, 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 the, and so I remember the first time we go to her and I did not have cousins. I didn't have grandparents. They weren't my life. 
Then the first time going to Christmas with her, and I walked in, there was like 40 people in the living room. I was like, who are all these people? She goes, that's my family. I'm like, really? And we were sitting there, and I was trying to slowly get to know them. And, and so, I mean, her dad's remarried. And so I, I was like, who's that? And who's that? And I said, who's that over there? She goes, that's Dave. I said, oh. She, she goes, she said, that's my brother, Dave. I said, oh, that's your brother, Dave. I'm like, okay, is that your dad, your, your, your stepmom's side? Like, what's going on there? And she said, well, neither. I said, well, how is he your brother then? I did, I'm not making this up. She looks at me and goes, you know, I don't know. He just started hanging out when he was a teenager. And uh, we just started calling him brother, and he's come ever since. And I'm like, you can't do that. That's not even legal. Why is he at Christmas? You know, like this was the experience. And all of a sudden, they gave me a gift. I'm like, thank you very much. And I start opening my gift, and I look around, and 10 other people are opening gifts at the same time. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on. I haven't opened my gift yet. We haven't talked about my gift. We haven't discussed my gift. We haven't written thank you. No, well, you can't. This is anarchy. I'm, I'm full on about to marry an anarchist. You can't. Like, like this, was, this was the introduction into her family. But, be, but because of her family, my favorite holiday became Thanksgiving. Because Thanksgiving was, Thanksgiving was incredible. We all show up in the morning, and it's cousins and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and grandparents and kids and nieces and nephews, and we all show up. We spend the day together, and, and the amazing thing is, is we all jump in. Do you know, I showed up. This, this is a true story. I'm probably 19 years old. I show up, and when I walk in, they're like, hey, Benny, good to see you, and they handed me a bag of sweet potatoes uh, and yams and a potato peeler. Like, I guess I'm peeling potatoes. 19 years old, peeling, peeling, peeling these sweet potatoes. And uh, uh, next year I show up to Thanksgiving again. They hand me a bag of sweet potatoes and a potato peeler. I guess I'm peeling potatoes. I'm 45 years old. I'm a grown man. I pastor a church. We started a movement. I've written multiple books. And do you want to know what I did at Thanksgiving? I peeled potatoes. That's what I do now. That's my job for the last 25 years. I've gotten so good at it. I kid you not. I bring my own potato peeler to Thanksgiving now. It's from Japan. I got it from Japan. It's a special one. I'm thinking about making a holster next year to bring it in. Like I show up and you know what I do now? I peel potatoes. That's my job at Thanksgiving. And you want to know what's crazy is? I don't have a passion for potato peeling. I don't have a mandate for potato peeling. I don't even have a vision for potato peeling. But I do have a passion for family. And when I show up to Thanksgiving, I just want to contribute and make this the best Thanksgiving possible. I just love who I'm doing it with. I don't care what I'm doing. It's the fact that I'm contributing. This is the natural flow of family. I'm about to read another scripture, but listen, this is the natural flow of family. And this is why when we begin to build church, there has to be that thing of, oh, this isn't a restaurant. It's a house. And, and, as, and, and this is why I told our church, every time we gather, it's just Thanksgiving. We want to make it the best Thanksgiving possible. And so you just jump in and contribute. We're not asking people to volunteer and serve because we somehow need bodies. It's just normal. 
People are setting up tables. And, and here's the other thing. I'm not, like, there's no, there's no, like, ladder to climb at Thanksgiving. I'm not peeling potatoes looking at the turkey carver going. I'm coming, one day, one day I'm coming for you. Like, I won't be here forever. I'm 45. I'm still there. And I don't, it, it doesn't matter. See, and when you see when you see something this way, you begin to recognize there's three groups of people that don't serve on Thanksgiving. Kids, and it's okay, and I say this with love, they're just immature. They're just kind of about themselves, and we're not upset with them. We're not, they're, they're 10, and they just want to go play and goof around. They're not wondering, like, anything I can do to help. You know, like, because they're young. Then there's guests. A lot of the nieces and nephews, they, they bring guests. We're like, hey, just sit there. We got you. Don't even worry about it. But there's a third category that concerns me. It's usually an uncle. <laughs> He's sitting on the couch watching football. Doesn't help at all. And then randomly just calls for people to bring him things. <laughs> right? Kid, not serving. Normal. Guest, not serving. Normal. Uncle? Not normal, right? It's family. Let me read this to you because I, I, I'm telling you there's, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after this, but you have to understand that, that we've, we've viewed church as somehow a business, not understanding that the New Testament, especially Paul's writings, are family language. Like if you really read Paul's writings, he is using family language throughout. Ephesians 4, which I'm about to read, is actually a passage on kind of church government. It's the five-fold ministry. It's on church government. But Paul's language on when he lays out church government and the five-fold is still family. Read this with me. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at this real quick. Ephesians chapter 4 says this, verse 11. And, he, and I don't want to unpack the fivefold right now. Just understand this, that he's talking about church government, church structure, church leadership. He says this, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Here's why. For the equipment of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the encouraging of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. The NIV says to a mature man. To a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He's talking about the concept of sanctification. And then listen to this. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things who is the head Christ. Paul says, listen, Jesus has given us gifts in the fivefold apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, and those things have been given to us. Here's why. To equip you, to encourage you, so that you will become mature, no longer a child so that you'll grow up. This is family language. See, families think different. The, the natural flow of family is maturity. 
This is the goal of families. The goal of families is that they would have sons and daughters who would mature, who would grow physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, that they would mature and grow until they become fathers and mothers who have sons and daughters who mature until they become fathers and mothers who have sons and daughters. Families think maturity. My wife and I, right now, we have, we have kids, and, and we want our kids to mature. This is what we're about. Our job is to see them mature and grow in the natural, in the physical. If our son is 15, but when he was 10, if he stopped growing physically, it would be cause for great alarm. We, we, we would be concerned. Something's wrong. He's not growing. And we would go to the doctor and his grandparents would be concerned and his siblings would be concerned and his aunts and uncles would be concerned. And we'd go to the doctor and they'd say, hey, what's going on? Well, why isn't leg growing? And we'd say, I don't know. We're trying to figure it out. Because, our, because our, our concern is your growth. When you don't see church as a family, it becomes very confusing because you come in and people are like, man, you haven't grown at all. Whoa! Why are you all up in my business? Back up a little bit here, you know? Right? Man, you still seem immature. You don't really look like Jesus there. Man, your response, how, how your marriage is, and you're like, whoa, like back up a little bit. We're so confused when people want to get involved in our lives, we don't realize this is the whole, the whole game is maturity. Families think like that, not restaurants. Just trust me on this. If my waiter starts asking me about my marriage, that's weird. <laughs> but not in family. People should look at you. If you don't look more like Jesus next year than you do this year, that's concerning. If the fruits of the Spirit are not manifesting in your life, in a greater way next year than this year. That's concerning. And you should have people looking around you going, what's going on? You haven't grown in a year. You don't look any more like Jesus this year than you did last year. What's happening? This is a family concept. See, the church begins to make sense when you understand it as a family in a way it doesn't make sense if you view it as a business. See, part of the problem is, is, is we want, can I, can I uh, take a few minutes and really unpack something around consumerism? Because here's the deal. I love consumerism. Love consumerism. Dead serious. I love that there are, there are entire departments at Apple trying to figure out how to make my life easier. They're literally sitting around going, how can I make Banning's life easier? I love that somebody came up with DoorDash. I love that Amazon is trying to figure out how to make my life easier. I love that somebody sat around and said, you know what? Why don't we, get, why don't we deliver groceries for them so they don't have to go to the grocery store? I love consumerism. Here's the problem, though, is that when consumerism comes into the church, the goal of consumerism is to remove the struggle in your life. Consumer is like, like, so a, a business goal is to make your life easier and to remove the struggle. Why do you go to a restaurant? Because I don't want to cook and I don't want to clean up. 
So they say, great, I'll make your life easier. I'll do that for you. And I'll remove the struggle and the hassle. And the reason I'm doing that is because I want you to spend money here. So if there's, if, there's two, if there's two competing coffee shops a block apart, they are competing for people to come and spend money there. And so, so they're trying to figure out, how can I make it easier? How can I remove the struggle? And so what happens is, is, is one day, uh, one of the coffee shop guy, one of the, owners of the, one of the owners of this coffee shop, he's sitting in this coffee shop one day, and he sees a guy pull up into the parking lot. He gets out of his car, he walks in, he stands in line, and he gets up, he orders his coffee, then he stands waiting for his coffee. He gets his coffee, and he doesn't stay in the coffee shop. He goes back in his car, and he drives off. And the owner thinks, I think I could eliminate part of his struggle by putting a drive through in. He wouldn't have to get out of his car and walk in. I'm going to put a drive through in. Now, all of a sudden, people are going to this coffee shop over this coffee shop, not because the coffee's better, but because it's easier. Because the struggle's been removed. It's the nature of consumerism. Here's the problem. When I come into the church, Many times we come to the church and we're confused because we're expecting people to take the struggle away when in family, what we recognize is this, the struggle's part of maturity. The struggle is part of the maturing process with our own kids. As much as I don't like to see our kids struggle, we know together as parents, we're like, oh, I don't like to see him struggle. But I know that this, pro my son, he's 15 and, and he's in basketball and this has been, a, he just loves basketball. He's having to navigate a coach right now. And, and, and he's having to figure it out. And we're like, oh, we just want to, we don't want him to struggle. But I know this is the best thing. If he's going to become a man, he's going to have to learn to get through this struggle. He's going to have to learn how to bring himself. He's going to have to learn to get through perseverance and get through disappointment. Like we understand this, this because this is how, but businesses don't want that because if you struggle in a business, you won't come back. They need you to come back. So they try to remove all struggle. I tell our people all the time, we're confused when community is struggle. Man, community's hard. Yes. It's been such a struggle. And so we say, you know what? I just couldn't find community there. It was just hard. They didn't have small groups lined up like I wanted, and they didn't have this and that. And, and we're like, I'm so sorry you're struggling. Can I make it easy? Can I make community as easy as possible for you? Can I make prayer as easy as possible for you? You're quiet on me right now because you know I'm right. Listen. Listen, and we want people to come and remove the struggle. And we're like, no, listen, family goes, hey, I know the community's a struggle, but it's part of the maturing process. It's part of the growth process. See, the, part, of the, part of the problem is, is, is we, if you don't view the church as a family, and you view it as a business, when I approach it, I'm looking for the church to do my Christian life for me. This is what happens when I go to a restaurant. Why do I go to a restaurant? Because I want them to cook and clean for me. And so, but, but Paul says, here's the fivefold. You know what they're here for? They're here to equip you. They're here to encourage you. And they're here to mature you.
And so we come in and many times what happens is, is we approach the church and we want the church to do our Christian life for us rather than equip us to do our Christian life. We want the church to do it, not mature us. Listen, guys, I'm telling you, we can talk about revival all we want. We can talk about the harvest all we want. We can talk about impacting cities all we want. If we don't deal with this issue, that the church is not here to do our Christian life for us. The church is here to mature us, grow us, equip us so that we have a, uh, um, I told you, I, I didn't grow up with pets. My dad was a police officer and very orderly. And so, you know, just a structured guy. So pets didn't fit into that. Then I married a full-blown zookeeper. And uh, it's insane, actually. But the amount of animals we've had. But the favorite animal in the family for my wife is this dog named Dash. Is this golden retriever. And she, she would, I mean, if, if I said, CJ, you have to choose between Dash or me. She would choose me because we made a covenant before God together, but it would t- she would have to think about it for a little bit, you know. She's told me, if our house is on fire, I'm taking Dash, you're on your own. And so when Dash was a puppy, though, he tore everything up, every, chew, every, every shoe he chewed up, dug up the whole thing, ripped up the carpet. It was a nightmare. Wouldn't walk on a leash, ran out the door, choked himself every time he'd be on a leash. So finally I said, we've got to get this dog trained. This is crazy. This is crazy. Can we just get him trained? And so I went down to Petco and they had like 10 classes for $180. I'm like, done. So I come in for the first class and it's already embarrassing because the dog will not walk on a leash without choking himself. So he's just pulling so hard. He's like, the whole time. That's what he's doing. And, and so I'm walking in and this dog's pulling as hard as he can. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. And, uh, and I go and I sit down and the dog's just like, just like coughing because he choked himself from the car to this, this spot. And the lady, this lady, the dog trainer walks in and she starts this class. And as she begins the class, I notice that she's talking to me, not my dog. And I was confused by this. And I was like, why are you talking to me? Like, I'm not the problem. Uh, but okay, maybe it's like an introductory class where you're going to talk to me. I come back the next week and I noticed she's not talking to my dog. She's talking to me. And I realized, oh, you're not going to train my dog. You're trying to train me. I got irritated because I'm like, I didn't pay money for you to train me. I paid money for you to train my dog. You're called a dog trainer. I want you to train my dog. My dog, fix my dog. Get my dog to walk on a leash. Get my dog to stop digging. Get my dog to stop running off. Get my dog to stop chewing everything. Fix my dog. Do this for so many of us, when you got saved, you, you got a call in your life. As followers of Jesus, there are things that he calls us to. We're to pray. We're to be generous. We're to disciple. We're to reach the lost. We're to take care of the poor. Do you, for so many of us, we walk into church and we say, hey, what is it that you're going to do to take care of my call? What is it that you're going to do to take care of my Christian life? And then we're confused when the pastor starts trying to equip us to do our Christian life. 
Happens all the time, man. Listen, I, I, when we planted a church, it was amazing because we planted a church and it was, we didn't have much going on at first. We didn't really have a small group structure yet. And, and, and you know, we didn't have programs for the poor. We didn't have any of that stuff. And, you know, we had Sundays. And, and so people, when we planted, people from other churches started coming. And I remember they would come up and they were like, they would say things like, hey, uh, how do I get, how do I get plugged into community around here? And I was like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, uh, invite somebody over to your house for dinner. And they were confused. They were like, what? No, 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 no. Like, I, like what kind of small group structure you got going on? I'm like, we don't have any. Like, uh, well, how do I get plugged into community? I'm like, I don't know. Take somebody to coffee. They were like confused by it. Somebody might get a neighbor, a neighbor might be saved and they come and say, Hey, listen, uh, my neighbor just got saved. Words of discipleship class. In your living room. And guess who the leader is? You, I anoint you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Like, and I just realized it was amazing to me how many people were coming to church looking for the church to disciple their neighbor, looking for the church to create community for them. I'm not trying <laughs> to tell you, listen, I'm an overseer. He has to have me come back or kick me off one or the other. But, but listen, I'm just saying this shift has to happen because all of a sudden I come and say, no, what I need the church to do is mature me. God's called me to disciple people. God's called me to get into community. God's called me to take care of the poor. God's called me to pray. He's called me to be generous. And so I come to church and say, I'm, I'm here to contribute. I'm here to jump in and make this the best Thanksgiving ever. And I am here because I need to be equipped. I need to be encouraged. I need to be matured so that I can carry out the call that God has on my life right where I'm at. This is, this is, this is the mandate, but, but you have to understand this is very confusing. If you see the church as something other than a family, you're confused about struggle. You're confused about, about how things are structured and set up. I, I, I will tell you this as well, because I, I really, I, like, I genuinely believe that, that people are longing for family. But they can tell whether they're walking into CJ's home with 40 family members that are all jumping in and contributing and setting, and they can tell, or they can tell if they're coming into a restaurant. They can tell. Because this, this is why for me, listen, we have all of this, so hear me on this, and, and, I, and I'm for structure. We have greeter teams. We have usher teams. We combined them and called them grushers. We have, we have a grushers team. And we, we, so we have people that would stand outside and they've got signs and they're welcoming people. We have that team, right? But do you understand it's not just the greeters team to make people feel welcome at church? I mean, do you understand that? If this is family... I don't care what your personality is. It's our responsibility to make sure that anybody walks into this family is going to feel welcome and it's going to feel connected. That you will never come into my house and not feel welcomed. And there should be 10 or 15 people that are saying, how you doing? Are you new? You want to sit with me? Where are you from? What's going on? Because if this was Thanksgiving and if it was my house, I would never, there should never be anybody that comes into this church on a Sunday and sits by themselves. 
ever, there should be 10 people that approach him, not because they're on an usher's team, but because this is their house and nobody sits by themselves in this house. Nobody like, and, and this is, I mean, I remember there's, there's guests. This just happened two Thanksgivings ago. One of the nephews came home. He played basketball at San Francisco state. And so he brought a guy from Australia or something over to the Thanksgiving with him. And uh, he was sitting by himself. Nobody was around there. And my wife goes, go get him. Don't let him sit by himself. So I walked over and I said, Hey man, how you doing? Do you know anybody here? You peel potatoes? Come on, let's do this. And uh, because there's no way, he's, I'm going to pull him in. This is family. And I think when people encounter family, it's what they're longing for. Listen, I will say this. The most beautiful thing in the world is healthy family. I think the most attractive thing in the world is healthy family. And the Bible says that God is going to put the lonely where? Oh, we got to know Bible. Come on now. God's going to, this isn't a trick question. God's going to put the lonely in a family. So there's a, there, there are people out there that don't know Jesus. There are prodigals out there that are away from God and they are longing for family. And they may not even know they're longing for it, but when they encounter it, they know this is what my heart's longed for. I had a, uh, uh, my, uh, I, I grew up in a great home, but my mom was not an early morning person. And so this, this is true, I know, and you can pray for me, but I had to wake up and make my own breakfast every morning. I know, I know, struggle was real. And, um, and so I just always had like cold cereal, you know, I just, I'm, I just cold cereal. But I, have a, I had a friend who lived about three streets over, my best friend, and uh, his mom got up every morning at five o'clock and uh, he woke up at 6.30 every morning and he walked out of his room to a hot breakfast every morning. Biscuits and gravy, bacon, eggs, waffles, sausage, pancakes. Every morning he would come out to a hot breakfast. And I remember one morning, I'm in middle school, probably in seventh grade. And I'm sitting in my house with my cold bowl of cereal thinking, Peter's eating a hot breakfast right now. So this is my personality, and I was friends with their family, but this is my personality. I thought, you know what? I got on my bike, and I rode to his house, probably three minutes away. And I dropped my bike in his driveway, didn't even knock, walked in the door, said, hello, hello, Mrs. Shelley. What's up, Peter? And I sat down at their table. She brought me breakfast and I started going to their house. Didn't even ask. I started showing up at their house every morning because there was hot breakfast and I'm not an idiot. And I'm like, I, so I didn't even ask. I just started, I'd come in, drop my bike off. Good morning, Mrs. Shelley. What's up, Peter? And I would just sit down and they'd bring me breakfast. Listen, people may not even know what they're longing for, but I'm going to tell you right now that when they see it, when they see it, they're attracted to it. Guys, this isn't just about getting you to jump in and contribute. This isn't just about you maturing. It, it's about, that's family. Family are people that wrestle, and they, but, they, but, but they, they, they challenge each other, but they believe deeply in each other. 
And I'm telling you, when people come into that setting, something says, this is what I've been longing for. This is what I've been longing for. And and there's got to be something where we just begin to say, God, I don't want to approach the church as a business. I don't want to approach the church as a restaurant. I, I don't show up to a restaurant and say, hey, listen, I see you got uh, mashed potatoes on there. Uh, you need me to peel some potatoes? Because I brought my potato peeler. Like, I don't show up to a restaurant like that. I'm not asking the busboy, can I get this for you? Can I help you get in this back? But man, when I'm at a house, I am. I'm like, what can I do to contribute? How can I jump in? How can I get involved? What can I do? And then I'm going, I need you to equip me because God's got a call on my life. I'm called to disciple. I'm called to reach people. I'm called to make a difference wherever I'm at. I'm called to give. I'm called to take care of the poor. This is the mandate and the ministry God's called me to. I need you to mature me. I need you to grow me. My marriage doesn't look like Jesus yet. I need you to help me get my marriage looking like Jesus. My life doesn't look like Jesus yet. I need you to help my life look like Jesus. This is what it's all about. And I'm telling you that that when we expect somebody else, one of the most shallow, unfulfilled Christian lives you can live and go to heaven. Hear me on this. You can go to heaven. You believe in Jesus. You've confessed him as your savior. And yet when I am looking for somebody else to do my Christian life for me, it's one of the most unfulfilling Christian lives. But when I'm not looking for somebody else, I I want to do what God's called me to do. I want to reach people. I want to disciple people. I want to get people in community. I want to reach the poor. I want to make a difference. All of a sudden, something shifts. It's the most satisfying life ever. Are you with me on this? And this is what I believe. And, and, and I got to tell you, we're in the same boat you are, man. We're, we're in the middle of, all right, man, whatever, whatever season we're coming out of. <laughs> Such a beautiful time right now. Just to begin to say, what are we coming? What are we going to come back? What are we resetting? And maybe for some of us, we've got to go, you know what? I need to stop viewing church as a business. I didn't even realize I did, but I'm showing up going, why don't you put a drive through? And you know what make my life easier, Pastor? Can I get like drive through in? It's a hassle. Like nine places. It's a hassle finding this church. Can I I just tell you right now? Listen, Christianity isn't like it. Like there's struggle involved. There's struggle involved in finding community. There's struggle involved in getting to church. There's sacrifice involved. The people that make like the, the organizations that make excuses for that are businesses. The ones that don't are families. And I'm telling you, we all long for family. We'll take a second. Chris, you can come back up here. Wherever Chris is, there you are. Chris, listen, good story with Chris. Chris is almost four, coming up on 40 now. Not quite, but almost. When I, when I first got to know Chris, he was 12. He was a middle school student. Went through our youth group years ago. The amount of video games we've played together is epic all through high school. We're still running together. I want to take just a few minutes. Can we just pray over people? I know we got to let you go, but, but see, do you want to come up real quick? And, and can we just take just a moment? Hey, wherever you're at, can you just place your hand on your heart? And Father, I'm just asking God that you would come. Father, I believe so deeply in this church. God, you've called this church 
to be a home for prodigals. Can I just declare over you that one of the things you're going to see in the season ahead is prodigals coming home. You're going to encounter those that have been in famine that recognize that they've got to come back to the home of their father, that God is bringing the prodigals into this home, that this is going to be a place for family. This is going to be a place where people come and say, I didn't even know I was longing for a hot breakfast, but this is what I've been longing for, family in my life. But Father, I pray that you would shift our mentality. God, we're not here, we're not here to partake in a business. We're here to contribute to a family. And Lord, that you would challenge every area of our life that somehow, every mindset that would somehow view church as a business And God, I just ask that you would shift it to say we're family. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.